glad that he does. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 9 today. Luke chapter 9. My wife told me I'm a stubborn man. She probably is right more times than she's wrong. She said, won't you get somebody else to preach for you today? And I said, I believe I can do it today. And the longer I sat here, the worse, the worse, the worse, the more difficult it got. So I'm going to do the best I can to talk through this sermon today, the Lord willing. So if you'll listen very, very carefully and pay close attention, and I'll try to let you out in plenty of time. I looked at the clock out there in the hall, and it said 10 o'clock when we come in. So now it's a couple hours to preach. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. The title of the message today is The Disciples' Motto. The Disciples' Motto. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me, or allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. May God add his blessings to the word of God today. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. The disciples' motto, verse 62. No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. That's determination. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that Thou wouldest enable Thy servant to preach today. Thank You for the song that just preceded the message. Thank You, Father, for the fact that there are souls that are needy. They come to the end of their dreams and their aspirations. They'll find out the only answer is Jesus Christ. It matters not where they're at or what city they live in or what village they live in, what street they live on. They come down to the end of the conversation with you. It's a matter of the relationship with you. Father, that relationship will make the difference in their life where they have joy and peace and happiness. And yet, Lord, people are searching in every direction, going all over the world and pleasures and things to try to find satisfaction. And yet, Lord, they can't find it because man can't find satisfaction in things that will only be found in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray in the name of the Lord today that you'll meet needs. And may every heart be stilled. And may every individual listen attentively. And may the will of God be accomplished in our lives this morning. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And for his sake we pray. Amen. May be seated.
there was a man, father was very busy trying to get some things done. And his son kept aggravating him. I know you never had that problem. But the little boy kept aggravating his daddy. And his daddy decided to do something that would entertain him for a while. So he gave him a puzzle. And it was a puzzle of the whole wide world. And so he gave it to his son and said, go in the other room and put that puzzle together. Father thinking that it would take a while for the boy to get the puzzle put together. And so in just a, a few minutes passed, it wasn't very long at all, the boy come back in and said, well, Dad, I'm finishing it up. He said, you tell me you've got that puzzle already fixed up of the, of the, of the whole world? He said, yeah, they, I turned the box over and there was a picture of a man. So what I did, that was the back of the puzzle and the front of the puzzle was the world. And so I just put the man together. When I turned it over, the whole world was all right. The world was fixed. And he said, a good illustration about if you can get the world fixed, if you get the man fixed, you get the world fixed. If you get the man fixed, you get the world fixed. Our problem is the world, but you can't solve the world unless you get the man right with God. And too many times we try to fix the things of life without letting God help us. First things first, the world never will be right until a man gets right with God. Your individual relationship with God is the most important thing in all the world. The children's desire sometimes is to be grown before they get grown. When I was a little boy, I tried to be more grown than I was. Sometimes putting on daddy's shoes, sometimes trying to put on a hat bigger than my, my head, sometimes putting on coats bigger than my coats, trying to be older than I was. Uh, my sister, she tried to dress up, put on high heels, uh, tried to maybe put on lipstick from time to time, look older than she was when she was six or seven years old. Sometimes a little girl will try to dress like her mother, a little boy may try to dress like his daddy, trying to be older than what he is, and sometimes he tries to follow in daddy's footsteps. That's a big thought, a startling thought to just think about. But they grow up sometimes trying to be older than they are. And what's really dangerous today is we're plugging a 220-volt child into a 110-volt system about to blow a circuit. And that's sad, but they're trying to grow up so fast. What really bothers me is when I see young people who are just ch children, very, ch very, very childlike and rightly so, trying to act like adults. And that's sad. Sometimes some tragedies come out of that. Or sad reality that is. The tendency sometimes is to spend more money trying to make it and trying to trying to get ahead of everybody else, trying to be more grown up, trying to reach this destination over here instead of just going through the process. Some will join a church before they get saved, trying to put the trying to put the cart before the horse, and they're trying to get everything in in order so they can get everything right. But in this story, Jesus has given some illustrations about discipleship. You see, getting saved is one thing. Salvation is true. Salvation is following the Lord Jesus Christ. But discipleship will cost you. And sometimes we don't consider the cost of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. You're not saved by discipleship, but discipleship will cost you. It'll cost you everything you are, everything you ever hope to be. It'll cost you dearly. And sometimes we forget what Jesus said in this passage. And when I read them, and I've read them several times over the years, and they sound pretty cruel. As a matter of fact, they sound so harsh that you can't imagine Jesus saying them as they look at it for just a moment today, first of all, there's an evaluation by this man had to make. He didn't count the cost. The Bible says it came to pass in verse 57 that as they went their way, a certain man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. That's a good commitment. I'll go with you anywhere you want to go. Where he leads me, I'll follow. I'll go anywhere the Lord wants me to go. And Jesus could look in the hearts of individuals and judge rightly what they said and what they did. He said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. And even the Son of Man 
hath not a place to lay his head. I mean, even Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, who made every rock there was, every foxhole there was, who made every place there was to pillow your head. Jesus didn't have a place to call home every night. He even slept sometimes in the mountains. He sometimes slept in the, uh, the fox, close to the fox nest, perhaps. Maybe made a place in the woods to sleep and pillow his head. Didn't have a place to lay his head. Yet, we didn't consider that when we started following the Lord Jesus, that we may be called to go some places where we won't have the luxuries of life. Go to some of the jungles of Africa or the jungles of South America to go to a place where you don't have the luxuries. I remember when last time I went to, to Mordova in a mission trip, stayed with some precious people out in the country. And uh, the, the host was so gracious and kind. He says, he says Pastor, they always call you Pastor. Pastor, let me show you where the facilities are. The facilities are the, the toilet, the toilettos. And the toilettos to us are the out the johns. You know what I'm talking about? So he took me down this long path. It's my strength. It was a long way down there from the, the house to the rest homes, restrooms. So he took me down there and he said, this is our, so you can find just follow the lights to get down there. And so they, they were very accommodating places to go. If you had to go, I just decided not to go. <laughs> because I wasn't used to that. Certain places in the country... I can go in some more vivid illustrations. I won't. But you travel. Sometimes you sleep in places. I've slept on pews. I've slept on concrete floors. And you say, well, you really suffer. No, I, I just in and out. In and again. Next time I get on a plane, fly back home to a luxurious bed. But these folks live like that all the time. And sometimes we say, well, I'm too good for that. I, I deserve better. None of us deserve anything except die and go to hell. That's what we deserve. Yet this man didn't count the cost. He said, you don't have a place to lay your head. Maybe some times when you don't have the luxuries of life. And he says, let me explain it to you. There will be some times when you'll be lonely in life. See, young people sometimes when they get saved and they go to school and you're the only Christian around and everybody else is cussing, telling vulgar jokes and so forth and you're trying to fit in. It's not easy to stand up for Jesus. Stand up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross lift high his royal banner and his cause must not suffer loss. I remember the young girl that was at an atheist convention. I say atheist convention. They had a man come in who t- talked for about an hour about the reason why you ought to be an atheist. The auditorium was packed. As a matter of fact, he went on for one hour why you should be an atheist. He went back and forth across the stage and said, this is the reason why you ought to be an atheist. We're talking about one who does not believe there is a God. And he went through his entire speech. And when he got through, he made these words. If anybody can prove to me that there is a God... Let him do it right now. Or I just pray that God, your God, will strike me dead. Just go ahead. Prove there is God. There was silence over the whole auditorium. Nobody said a word. And all of a sudden, a 13-year-old girl stood at her feet. In that massive congregation of 2,000 people, she stood up and she sung, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, his cause must not suffer loss. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The more she sung, other folks got the courage to stand and stay with her. Before long, there was hundreds standing. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. His cause must not suffer loss. Before long, the whole group stood together 
and the atheists on the platform could not combat that. Not 2,000 folks saying, stand up for Jesus. He just bowed his head and walked off the stage. There there was an applause. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross. Sometimes you feel so alone. You're in this world. Maybe where you work, you're the only one that's standing up for Jesus Christ. And the peer pressure is great to be involved in some of the things they're saying, some of the things they're doing. And yet you need to realize you stand up for Jesus. It may be lonely something. It's not exciting all the time. It's not thrills and chills all the time. If you're looking for that, you, you come to church, enjoy God, enjoy the blessings of the Lord, enjoy a good song, enjoy a good special, and enjoy the blessing of the Lord. Go out there in the world. The world is wicked. Love not the world, neither things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I talked about last week. But there's experience of loneliness. There's experience of laughter where people make fun of you. They do that. They, 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 will, they will call you names. I've been called various, I got saved when I was nine years old. Uh, I answered a call to preach when I was 18 years old, many years ago. But I worked at various places before I went to college. I worked at various places when I was in high school. They called me names because I went to church. And when I started preaching, I got called little preacher and uh, goody, goody two-shoes. I don't know what that means, goody two-shoes. I don't know what that sounds like a sissy to me. But they called me various names. They called me a square. They, they called me a nut. And then they laughed at me for being a preacher or being a Christian. You say, well, they don't know that won't happen. Sure it will. You take your stand for Jesus Christ and you try to be right. I'm not talking about trying to force something on somebody else. But you stand up for Jesus Christ and they'll isolate you. And sometimes they'll even make fun of you. And sometimes they'll even laugh at you. But you remember the disciples? There was 12 of them. We know Judas committed suicide after he, after he betrayed the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. What happened to the other 11 apostles that followed Jesus for three years? Well, let's look at them. James, the brother of Jesus. James, the son of Zebedee. Both were killed by the mobs. Matthew, of whom we got the first book of the New Testament, was slain by a sword in Ethiopia. Philip was hanged in Phrygia from Bartholomew was flayed alive in Armenia. Thomas run through a lance in India. It's right through his stomach. Andrew was crucified in Achaia. Thaddeus was shot to death with an arrow. Simeon, the zealot, and Peter were both crucified. Most of you know crucified. Peter asked to be crucified upside down historically. He did not want to be crucified like his Lord. They turned him upside down and crucified Peter according to history. Matthias was beheaded. Eleven, all eleven, or eleven, the other one, only one who didn't die a martyr's death. Ten of them, martyr, martyr, ten of them died a martyr's death. One died on the Isle of Patmos. He died of old age. That's John who was on the Isle of Patmos. And he did not die a martyr's death, as far as we know. But they tried to kill him several times. They lived a pretty rough life. Boy, it was exciting to follow Jesus, wasn't it? Saw him raise the dead. Saw him perform miracles. Saw him feed the 5,000, 15,000 people. They saw great exploits and great miracles done by the Lord Jesus Christ. What an exciting trip to follow the Lord Jesus. Boy, this is hooray time. This is shouting time. This is exciting time. And yet when Jesus went back to heaven, every one of those apostles just about went to the death. John, of course, was put in a pot of oil one time, tried to bull him and kill him. Banished him to the Isle of Patmos as a prisoner to get rid of his voice. John, the beloved 
who wrote the book of Revelation and told us about the end of time, about what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven and developed for us the great picture of the end of times. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a, it's a thought to realize and understand that when you come to live for Jesus Christ, that sometimes when we live our life, there's an explanation and a caution that needs to come up. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. If you think it's going to be all roses and, and mountaintops, you've got your hands full. Boy, this is exciting being saved. I'm glad my name is in the book of life. I'm glad I've been saved, redeemed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also know it's been a battle. I made some determination in my life when I was a young man. I've not always been as perfect as I'd like to be or as mature as I'd like to be. But I do believe this. There are some things I've made determinations to be. And one reason why I say I come to preach today is because I want to finish well. I do want to finish well. That may not mean that I can preach every time. I may not be able to do it every time I want to. But I want to do as much as I can. He gave His last breath for me. He gave His last breath. He gave me my first breath. Surely I can give my last breath for Him. Surely I can die on the battlefield. And you keep going as long as you can go physically. Then when you can't go physically, you just keep on going physically. When you're, when you're alone with God. Hey, lady, you're in town. I'm trying to think of her name right now. Uh, it's come to me in a few minutes. I got a tape in the office of her and some songs she sung to me. I'd go in, sit down, and say, Come by to have prayer with you. And she'd say, Pastor, glad you come by. Let me sing the latest song I've been working on. And she just sang me a song. And then she'd tell me some things that God had been doing for her. It's been an invalid for I don't know how many years she'd lay there in the bed. And I went home. I went out of the room blessed more than ever. What a blessing ever was. I thought about people. Hey, what would it be like to be an invalid the rest of your life? And how you can be a blessing to people who come by. That don't happen accidentally. That happens by the grace of God. For a person to be down, you have to help other folks to be up. And sometimes we grumble, complain. We talked about Brother Morrison at the funeral the other day. Many of you know this. That if you go to his camper he lived in, in a little camper beside his inside his daughter, Kathy. If you go inside, you'll see cards hanging from the ceiling. And you'll see pictures all around the little, every room, little small camper. You'll see rooms, little, little cards, pictures. And they say, these are people we pray for, preacher. I pray for these. I go through the room and just pray for all these people. He said, I don't know all of them, but I pray for all of them. What a ministry. A tremendous ministry. Pray for folks. And uh, he had my picture over there. He said, I pray for that old rascal right there too. And I said, I'm glad you're praying for that old rascal. That means a lot. And I appreciate it. So everybody can have a ministry of some time and some nature. You may not do everything you want to do, but you can do something for God. And may God help us all to finish well in the battle. We decide to be disciples evaluation. And so it is the example of the Lord Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. There's no joy without enduring the cross. You see, the joy, sometimes we want to have joy in our Christian life. The joy comes by enduring the cross. Enduring the cross brings the joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength because there's a battle going on. When Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is my strength, they were battling in a warfare to build the walls of Jerusalem. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Who for the joy was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. There's that rejection. And set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners 
against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so he's our example. And so he said, let us go forth uh, with him outside the camp, a place of humiliation, a place of shame. Wherever we go, he's our example. And thank God for that. The Bible says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, did he not? Leaving us an example, did he not? That ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that suffered, he threatened not. He judgeth righteously who his own self bears sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep gone astray, but now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your soul. If any man suffer, First Peter 4.16, as a Christian, one of the first times the word Christian is used in the Bible, used three times. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on his this behalf. When's the last time you suffered because you're a Christian? Best you said it well. When's the last time we think about souls really and really burdens our heart, and when we really talk to folks about Jesus? When's the last time somebody's done anything to you, said anything to you, because you were a Christian? There was a time when you got rejection. We get a little bit of that on visitation, on door knocking, not a whole lot, but some. You get rejected, and really they're not rejecting you, rejecting Jesus Christ. But when's the last time somebody slapped your face? When's the last time somebody spit in your face? When's the last time somebody cussed you out and told you to get out of the, off the property? When's the last time somebody was unkind and cruel to you because you was a Christian? I'd say very rare. Well, when's the last time you talked to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ that would cause that kind of conversation without arguing? You're not trying to fight them in, in the kingdom. If somebody cusses you out, well, God bless you. We'll be praying for you. And you see, the problem lies sometimes we want to fight back, somebody wants to fight us, and they're cussing us out. You're not going to win them by cussing back at them. Love covers the multitude of sins. I'm sorry you feel that way. I love you. I'll pray for you. And they may tell you, you go to blankety blank, blank, blankety blank, blank, blank. And you say, well, I'm not planning on going, but I'll pray for you. I'm not planning on going to hell. I'm going to heaven by the grace of God, and I'll pray for you. You just keep praying for folks and loving them because everybody's looking for something. They don't know what it is sometimes, but at the end of the road, at the end of that trip, they'll find Jesus Christ if they open their hearts. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, they're going to find the answer to the question they're asking. The second one was procrastination. Verse 59. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, it seemed like a very cut forth answer. Let the dead bury the dead. And go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And how would you feel if your father died? And Jesus said, come follow me. And he said, first let me go bury my dead and then I'll, I'll come follow you. Well, first, God is first in our life. I don't think he meant that you shouldn't take care of your dead father. And those customs of that day, things were a little different. You can... It could have been the first son who had the responsibility of taking care of all the matters like a will. Like a will. He was the first son who had the estate to take care of and clear up all the, 
things of family. He had to do that. That was his responsibility under Judeo law. They mourned for a month after the, after the folks died. So they had a month of mourning. And so all the issues were there. All the problems were there. They had, and he also may have thought he was going to lose something of the estate. He could have been selfish. He could have been, well, if I leave, all the other kids will get the estate. Could have been. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Now what would have happened, I think, if he had said, I'll follow you. I want you to go bury your father first. See, the Lord's for compassionate and loving. Sometimes he puts a test. Sell what you have and give to the poor. Sell all you have and give what's to the poor. I think when the young, rich young ruler said, I'll, I'll do anything, I'll sell everything i got to follow you. The Lord said, now, you keep this for yourself. You see, it puts us to a test and tests our faith and tests our loyalty. And sometimes we just got to realize how important it is to just put it to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So let the dead bring the dead. Go preach the kingdom of God. He's going to be a preacher. He's going to follow the Lord Jesus, be a preacher. And remember Ezekiel, uh, I'm not sure of the passage, but Ezekiel's wife died. And the Bible says, in the morning, he went and preached. In the morning. His wife died that evening. The next morning, he went and preached. And that's the way Ezekiel, I'm not saying you've got to do that. I'm not saying that's what God called you to do. But I am saying this. Don't procrastinate. Just follow the Lord Jesus. He'll lead you into a better path, a better, better, a better position. So another said, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first. Allow me to go bury my father. Whatever it may meant, I think it was a test on this man's discipleship. He procrastinated because he got the word first. Let me first go. Nobody should be first except the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I believe God wants to take care of matters. I believe God wants us to bury our dead. I think God wants us to have compassion. Nobody had more compassion than Jesus. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. He was there uh, after he died. He was very compassionate and cared a lot. But he didn't come for four days. He wanted to show them a greater miracle. But the same thing is sometimes we've got to realize that Jesus is most important in our life. Whatever the motive was, it could have been a selfish motive, and the Lord knew that. Let the dead bury the dead. Let's see what happens. So there could have been an ulterior motive in between the lines with the Jewish customs. But whatever it was, he was procrastinating and he was willing to go and do what the Lord said. Let the dead bury the dead and let the unsaved bury the dead. It could have been, it could have been that. It could have let some of the other folks bury the dead. But I do believe the Lord Jesus is very compassionate and kind. If somebody in your family dies, I think you want to take care of them. I don't want to be there of mine. But I ought to say, if the Lord told me directly to do something, I should do what the Lord says Amen. first. If the Lord said for this, do this first, I should obey that Lord, I'll do whatever you say first. I'll come back and take care of that. That's all right. I think the Lord wants us to do what's right. But I think the Lord uses common sense. I don't think He uses things out here out in the left field to make decisions. He wants us to do what's right. And another said, Lord, I will follow Thee, but let me first bid them farewell which are at home in my house. Now, the procrastination, he had reservations about going. The ifs need to get settled. If needs to be settled. Some things are more important than Jesus, are they? Is there anything more important than Christ? He told Moses, he told Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Why did he tell Joshua that? Because Joshua was afraid. Joshua was depending on Moses. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, rise. 
bury those things of the past. I mean, mentally. Sometimes you've got to get them behind you. Some affections you have in the past have to be buried mentally, emotionally. They're behind you. Don't let them destroy your life and relationship with the Lord. Well, after I get through my teenage years, I'll serve the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. When I high school graduate, when I graduate from high school, I'm going to serve the Lord. No, now. Now, I got in my notes now, and I was going to put an emphasis on real loud. <laughs> I was going to scream it out loud, but I ain't going to scream it out loud. Now. 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 After 10 years. Now. After college. Now. After my family's raised, then I'll serve the Lord. Now. No, do it now. When I, my grandchildren are all grown out of, out of the way, I'll serve the Lord now. Our love for Jesus should grow stronger and stronger year after year. Be ready to do what God says. That old song says, ready to, ready to go, ready to serve my Master. Ready to go, ready to stay, ready to my place to feel. Ready for service or lowly or great. Ready to do His will. Just ready to go at any time. Bury that affection of the past. Let it go. It's not that you don't think about it from time to time, but there's some things you've got to bury and get behind you and move on. Sometimes we aren't ready to serve the Lord. We want to, we want to serve the Lord with all of our affections. The songwriter said it will. Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? That ought to be the primary important problem, priority of your life. And lastly and thirdly, Verse 61. And another says, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first, or that first again. Go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. It's precious, but it's not a priority. Maybe the boat's pulling out for a mission field, the plane's pulling out today. You're supposed to be on it. Family's not there. Maybe you have to wave at them through the window. Maybe you can text them on the way out. But should you should should be a help to you, not a hurt. The family always ought to be supportive of you. Sometimes they hinder a young person from doing the will of God. A young person gets a burden to go to a mission field, and the family says, "You think you really ought to go? We can get you a good job here, pay you more money." Now that's the sad reality. Sometimes parents and grandparents can stop somebody from doing the will of God. Brother Cruz mentioned. Mr. Borden fame inherited, inherited the Borden empire and uh, they offered him uh, a million dollars just right off to stay in America or stay in the company and he gave it all up to go to be a missionary to the Muslims and what a, what a sacrifice he didn't think it was but everybody thought it was and even told him that you're giving up all this this whole business to go to people that you know, wonder about. But he's willing to give it all up. No regrets with his, when he put his Bible. No regrets. No regrets. May God help us. Our first allegiance is to Christ Jesus. Why can't I serve God at home? You can. But if you want you to go to a foreign mission field, that's where you ought to be. Oh, well, it's Christmas It's Christmas Day. Let's spend the time with the family. How about church if we're going to school Christmas Day? Where's your priority at? Make a difference. One time, my daddy was a preacher. We had a lot of visitors come in at the last minute on church night. They dropped by to see Dad. And Dad said, listen, make yourself home. There's the refrigerator. Just make yourself at home. I'll be back after a couple of hours. He went to church. 
because that's where he's supposed to be. And then we come back and fellowship at midnight. But just taking time away from God sometimes is dangerous. Be careful. Last thing I want to say, and I'm through. There's that evaluation. He didn't count the cost. There's that procrastination. He wanted to put it off. There was that rationalization. Uh, just family circle. The family circle was more important than church, more important than God. Just rationalize it. Determination. Don't look back. Something may be gaining on your satchel pages, it used to say. Don't look back at your sins. They're under the blood. And thank God for that. Don't look back at your defeats. We all have them. All of us have them. Don't look back at the past. It gets better and better and gooder and gooder down the road. It's not a drudgery to serve the Lord. I'm not saying that. There's joy in serving the Lord. And the battle comes and the troubles come and the heartaches come and the heartaches come, but there's a joy in serving the Lord. Joy in the morning. Weeping endureth for the night. Joy cometh in the morning. Endure the hardness. Joy cometh in the morning. Endure the cross. Joy cometh in the morning. The joy always comes. That's the way the Lord pays off His benefits. Don't look back to the past. Don't look at the conflicts that made you bitter. Don't look at the old victories. You can't live off the past victories, nor can you succeed in past bitterness. We must move on. The old songwriter said, Well, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Little boy got a pair of skates. And after buying the skates, he got bruised and bleeding all the time trying to learn to ride the skates. Someone told him, he said, he said you ought to quit. Getting all beaten up, bloody and messy. And the young boy made a profound statement. He said, I didn't buy the skates to quit. I didn't buy the skates to quit. I didn't become a Christian to quit. I became a Christian to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not that my determination saves me. My determination keeps the fellowship with Him sweet. And joy cometh in the morning. There can be joy in the camp. One of these days, beautiful land will be in sight. One of these days, home is going to be there. Some call it paradise. Some call it heaven. Some call it the rose garden. Some call it resting place. We just call it home. We're heading home by the grace of God. One day the battle will be over. last battle will be fought. Are you saved today? Do you know the Lord Jesus is your Savior? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Is there anything you should do? Anything God brings to your mind? Is there anything you need to settle at the altar? It's a good time to do it. Rededicate your life. Or is there anything maybe that God's speaking to you about that you need to do today? Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. On the very first verse.